Hey everyone, this is Christy C., one of Soul's assistant editors, and welcome to another episode of In the Spray Room, our podcast where we talk to some of the best and brightest artists working on the streets today. For our daily online content, check us out on soulmagny.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at soulmag. Today's crew consists of myself, Bike Girl, hello, and Brooklyn's own Big Ronnie. Beards, Bronx, Brooklyn. That's all I'm saying right now. <laughs> Before we introduce today's special guest, Big Ronnie, tell us what's going on. Well, we are looking forward to uh, our, one of our recent interviewees, J Corp's Open Studios, coming up on August 24th. That should be fun. Uh, we are going to be planning another sold fundraising tour. Uh, this one's going to be listed on Airbnb, guys. Look for us there shortly. We are also in the uh, midst of getting this podcast in the spray room that you love, that you know, that you know. You wake up on Monday mornings and it's reliable. You know, Monday mornings aren't reliable in the world, and we want to be that for our listeners. And in the spray room is that for you. So that's what we've been up to, Christy. Uh, I'm super excited about our guest today, not only because they have a wonderful beard, but because they're a New Yorker. I connect a little bit better with my brethren. Now, he's from the other B-Borough. This gentleman is from the Bronx. I'm from Brooklyn. As you know, Bike Girl, we haven't taken a Bronx tour up yet. You're, you're absolutely right. The Bronx is full of a lot of good stuff to see, too. Now, I would say of all five boroughs... Uh, it used to be Staten Island was my least explored borough, but thanks to Q Molly and uh, some of the guys out there, and thank you to them for showing me uh, and Chris. Stapleton and all those fun little areas that they paint at. Uh, now I think it's the Bronx that I know the least about. Um, I would probably put it on what I know the least about, too, to be honest. Mm, so I'm not only going to be looking for information for our listeners, we want to be learning during this. Exactly. All right. So we covered this gentleman on Sold Meg NY uh, last July. Uh, Christy C., assistant editor extraordinaire. What did you... Let's not talk about what was in the article, Christy. You know, what was something that... Maybe it popped up since then. Well, I'm not even putting a name on this gentleman yet. You understand? <laughs> we haven't even introed him yet. But what's something that since the article came out, that you learned that you wish you would have tucked in there? Uh, well, there was a big name that uh, <coughs> popped up in the article. Uh, I think some of you may have heard of him, Keith Haring. And, uh, well, the article that I'm referring to is by my good friend, Myth. Um, he said that Keith Haring changed his whole perception of art and I never followed up on that and said, how did he change your whole perception of art? Well, is that a question? Oh, there it is. Now, now is the intro. Now is the time to that, intro. I kind of am still so. kicking myself that I never got to ask that follow-up question. So, Mr. Myth, welcome to the podcast. Thank Hi. you for being here. Thank you for having and me. And there's a first fun question. Oh, okay. So wait, can, what was that again? Like in the form of a question? Um, <laughs> there was you, some rambling going on. <laughs> you said that Keith Haring had changed your whole uh, perception of art. Yes, like, yes, yes. How, how so? Well, I didn't really know it at the time, you know, but uh, Keith's use of semiotics, you know, using uh, 
you know, images to convey messages. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess that's exactly what did it. You know, I didn't okay. wasn't able to put my finger on it at the time because I was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. but seeing those characters and then learning about Keith and learning about what he wanted to say through the, the use of his characters really sort of spoke to me okay, at so a young age. How did you uh, even get a chance to work with him oh um there was an organization i guess i guess the organization still exists it was a youth empowerment organization called uh city kids Mm -hmm. the city kids foundation and uh they would do these public events and uh they would go go to schools and like have these little chapters and so on and keith was really good friends with the owner and he would do a lot of their artwork and stuff and then we would do these like big events with him and we'd get to paint with him and so on and hang out so you're talking about like Mid eighties, yeah. That while well, my introduction to Keith was eighty seven, I want to say I think it was eighty eighty seven or eighty eight, somewhere around there. Okay. Can't you know? Mold now. <laughs> now yeah. you used a word before. What was it? Semiotics. Semiotics. Yeah. Now that uh, putting the context together, bite girl, because I I didn't Google this, but I'm gonna say it is something related to cave painting art. I wouldn't know. Yeah, I, I don't Am know I for close? sure, but I, I would imagine that's probably the roots of it. Because that was you know? style. Right, was right, very derivative right. To of the cave paintings. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I, I doubt even, you know, mm-hmm. the cave people you know, knew that they were using semiotics. But yeah, that, that probably is some sort of root of it, I would think so. Even, even to the point of like hieroglyphics and so on, mm-hmm. you know. That's exactly what it reminds me of. Yeah. Well, let's speak about your hieroglyph- hieroglyphics, brother. Okay. <laughs> now, as you can see, looking around, you're sitting in my living room. I'm a comic book Yeah, fan. yeah, I love it. And <laughs> it was from when I was a kid, and I loved collecting things. Yep. I have that, that defection, you know. On the oh, I still do. Gear acquisition syndrome and uh, uh, acquisition, uh, you know, just seeking behavior type of thing. <laughs> I love collecting. A crow. Why superheroes? They're a core element of your work today. Tell us why. Uh, well, for one, much like yourself, I've been a comic book reader since, you know, 1979 or so, running down, buying comics for a quarter and still doing it to this day, collecting figures and the whole bit, you know. So I've always been obsessed with, with superheroes and comics in general. And they were sort of, you know, combined with like sort of you know, seeing graffiti early on really drove my interest in any sort of art, right? Uh, and then when the time came to do what I'm doing, uh, I got very inspired by the sort of uh, the Soviet social realists and the sort of Chinese propaganda art, where you would always see the workers and the peasants, and they would kind of look like superheroes. You know, they'd be standing tall, these big muscles, and carrying bushels of millet or something like that, right? And then it would have the propaganda. You know, the purpose of that being... You know, people were illiterate, so... Rosie they, the Riveter. Were yeah, same deal with Rosie the Riveter, right, mm-hmm. exactly. Using these some sort of heroic figures to grab your Working attention. class right. heroism. And, to, so, and then hit you with the sort of propaganda or the message or whatever. So I was just like, well, you know, just use actual superheroes. You know, I was already playing with the name Myth, and then I was like, well, I can just sort of roll that over uh, into, you know, the fact that superheroes, you know, eventually, pretty much every superhero's root story comes from, you know, ancient mythology. You, you call know? it root, I call it origin story. Origin, yeah. Origin, origin's it's fine. One of the yeah. two. One of the two, it's fine, yeah. It's both. Yeah. 
I mean, they have, you know, ancient roots, right? Their origins come from ancient roots. Well, there's roots, only so yeah. many heroes' tales. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Eventually, they're all going to be somewhat the same. Exactly. I mean, it's like there's a classic hero's journey. Yeah. Yeah, so that's really what the superheroes are about. Who, who, who was the first uh, superhero you used in your work? Uh, it was Galactus, oddly cool. enough. Yeah, cool. it was really primitively drawn Galactus. Yeah. <laughs> See, that was my era. That was uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Transformers. Uh, so 85, 86. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was I was not only collecting the comics, but I had the figurines, and I thought I was going to keep them all in plastic bags with their original swords and all that stuff. But I was yeah. like, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, it happens for me now. It didn't back then. Back then, I couldn't resist Our opening up. best toy growing up that if you had today, uh, it would buy your paint and... Oh, and God, stuff the, the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier, man. Yeah. That thing was amazing. I remember I had to like get this separate rug just to sort of like keep it set up all the time. I would kill to have that now. For me, it was Mossman. Ah, uh, Mossman's good. Yeah, I still have him downstairs, but his nice kind of a little beat up. <laughs> nice. It's still one of the one of the meanest uh, masters of the universe, Audrey. Have you used uh, Masters of the... Oh, Just yes. once. I did, I, well, I did a Skeletor and I did a He-Man, yeah. Um, you're, you're making me feel so old, old because these are the toys of No, I definitely son. do want to do more. Uh, I just haven't... It's one of those things I haven't gotten around to, you know? I mean, I'm thinking Thundercats in the back of my Oh, head, yeah, I love Thundercats. the same era, and yeah. that was my son's favorite. Don't make me break out the comic boxes. Yeah. This just did one lion-o so far. Let's dip my toe into the Thundercats. Mm. See now, I was always a Panthro guy because he used the nunchucks. Yeah, Panther was badass. He was plus, just the most versatile weapon. Plus, I like the fact that like Panther was black, right? You, you knew Panther was a brother, right? And like you know, growing up in the Bronx, like you know, everyone around me was some shade of brown, right? So to see a character who was I knew was brown, you know, even though he was blue, like was awesome for me as a kid, you know. <laughs> But that was one thing you said growing up in the in the Bronx. Uh, you started tagging Casp for Casper because even though you're mixed race, because you're, well, I guess I can say it, <laughs> yeah. blue eyes, blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. You, they just automatically assumed you were white, even though oh, yeah, you are mixed yeah, race. Yeah, Casper yeah, was sort of meant as, as an insult. You yeah. Know. But you do have connections to some old school graffiti writers in the Bronx, from the Bronx. Well, yeah, my uncle was a big deal. My uncle was uh, Shorty Five, you know, and he was he was like hanging out with Blade and all those guys, and then like the Mars Park crew, and you know all the crazy sort of metalhead graffiti guys, you know. So I would see those guys when I was younger, and like I would sort of look out for them and stuff like mm-hmm. that, you know. So yeah, I was around it a lot. And you learned a lot from them, or did you try to? I tried. I was just tried, never any good at it. You tried you know? to be a graffiti writer. Oh yeah, totally. I. I it just wasn't it just wasn't something I could sort of get down. I could never sort of get paint lines the way I wanted them to be, you know. I don't know why. Just just wasn't so there then for me. Was there like a big time gap between that and then were you always into art? Did you go to art school? Uh, are no. Self, are you self taught? No, no, I never went to art school or anything like that. But you know, I always sort of was obsessed with art, you know, like just because of those roots of comics and, and graffiti mm-hmm. sort of happening at the same time, right. you know. And I always tried, you know, it's definitely not for the lack of trying or anything, you know, just never something that was really there. But I've always managed to sort of, uh, you know, and I very much got obsessed with art history as I got older. 
uh, you know, because I guess it's pretty apparent that I'm a pretty big dork. You know? <laughs> so uh, I like anything that I have an interest in, I go deep. Yeah, you go. Uh, so, you know, I sort of just got obsessed with art and artists and just surrounded myself with artists, dated artists, yeah. you know, just sort of always kind of tried to sort of be an artist without being an artist, <laughs> you know, kind of deal. So what do you mean by that? You're trying to <laughs> trying to be an artist without being an artist. <laughs> without actually <laughs> producing the art. Do you but think it's trying like to sort of have that artist flair? Yeah, like have that rub off on because me. Because like you, know? you said, you don't do anything arbitrarily, so no, being no. just an artist isn't good enough. I don't think it's an arbitrary way. thing. Let me jump in there. I, you know, just from just from the, the sold article alone, not from uh, just realizing your work and seeing it on the street. Um, you're not available for purchase. No, you're not accepting money. You don't want to sell a piece. You're not trying to do a canvas. No, not okay. on purpose. Why? Uh, well, for one, I am an appropriator. There's no question about that, right? And, you know, appropriation Let's is... Let's be clear. Using other artists' work <laughs> that came before you. Absolutely. Okay. Pretty much copying identical what other artists have done, you know, which many people who have art careers or consider themselves artists do, right? And it's fine. That's what they want to do, that they get away with it, whatever, you know? Uh, that's just not something I want to do. You know, I, I, I use appropriation as a means of uh, subversion, not as to sort of like uh, profit or, you know, to promote any sort of art, you know? What would that, how would that change your art if it was for sale? <laughs> I don't know, because I don't know. Uh, I haven't tried to do anything outside of what I do, uh, you know, and when I do, it's never something that I'm comfortable with or that I would feel would have any sort of monetary value, you know, so I don't know how that would actually change I, I, it. I asked the question the wrong way. Okay. <laughs> um, so if I took money for doing what I do as myth, is that what you're trying to say? Correct. Okay. You know, it's, it's um, I'm not saying the work would change, but I'm saying you would feel differently about using other artists' work and then putting that money in your pocket. Yes, absolutely. Why, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Why too? Uh, because it's, it's theirs. You know, it's their ideas, you know, and then, you know, I know a lot of times you get into this weird gray area where, you know, what belongs to you once it's out into the open, right? But, I mean, it's their effort. It's their ideas. It's their, their time, their talent, like everything, you know, coming from inside them, you know, and I don't think it's my place to sort of make money off of their sort of intellectual property and their sort of ideas and so on. Now, Bite Girl, we, there's a lot of artists on the street that don't mind using other people's intellectual property. Oh, we could talk about that for days. Oh, yeah. I mean, some, there's and some it, great ones. And nothing, yeah. nothing <laughs> derogatory. No, no, no. And at what point, too, does it become theirs? Because artists have been doing that forever. Lichtenstein took images he saw in the streets of New York right. in graffiti and put them on his canvases. Yeah, yeah. And the graffiti writers weren't given credit for their symbols showing up all over the pop art world. All right. So there's, there's a line, I think. Um... But the problem is, is not that you're biting off of other artists, but you are using a lot of pop culture things that are still owned by mega corporations. Yeah. And there's a lot more muscle behind them. Um, so I can understand not wanting to fight that fight. And there's a couple of the artists that I know on the street that their work, one of these days they're going to 
one of the big boys is going to say something. I always wonder about that. I always wonder how these guys get away with it. You yeah, know, with profit yeah, because it. you know it's right on the line. At what point is it appropriation? At what point is it sort of theft? Yeah, I, uh, theft. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't even want to come anywhere near those lines. No, because I don't even know if the courts have a clear definition. Yeah, I don't know if they do. Yeah. We need a lawyer that wants to come on and help us come out. In. Because the, the real question is, I mean, let's be real. If he's not making money off it, bite girl, is it theft? Is it a problem? Well, no, because he's, he's doing not it. Selling it. No, he's not no, selling no, no, because work. what he's doing is he is using it for editorial purposes, which he is absolutely constitutionally protected in doing. Cool. And that's an entirely different thing altogether. Right. Because he's not taking money and because he's using his art to put messages on the street, not mm-hmm. just the art, but an idea that he wants to convey a message to someone. Yeah. It's editorial just as if it were on the front page of a newspaper. Yeah, he says it's, it's not about him. It's not about the art. It's not about making a profit. It's about the message. And it's about hopefully changing someone's mind or making them think of that that message that he's throwing out there and hopefully they'll go out and research it or learn about the subject matter like like me like I'm a perfect example of someone who I'm obviously not as informed as as he is and you know he's actually changed me and and made me smarter in a way you know like to just go out and like oh who whose quote is this and then i'll go and look it up and i'm like oh, yeah that's the thing too 98 percent of the word bubbles are other people's words you know they're so not, just they're not my words you know told our listeners and that's the word bubble the most important part so tell us how did you where did the word bubble come from? Not necessarily origin story, <laughs> but... No, let's take it back. What's well, the, the OG origin story the, of the word Thematically, bubble? I wanted to keep it in the comic book realm, you know, in that sort of kind of pop zone, right? Where, you know, you see a, a character, you see the word bubble, right? It's just kind of what we're familiar with, you know? So, again, in, in along the lines of the, you know, the, the Soviet, you know, the social realists and stuff, instead of just having text be sort of written out, I was like, well, let's just keep it in the vein of, you know, cartoons and comic books and go with the word bubbles. Well, and we were talking earlier also something I think is pretty interesting. With your work on the street, the word bubbles are get attention because they don't always last very they, they long. They go first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The word bubbles sometimes are gone within hours of why, going up. Like, why do we Why? Why do we think that is? You guys is have it, a theory on this? Is it maybe they don't agree with you or they're thinking that you're being one, too preachy? Or? I know why one specific word bubble disappeared and I could. it had to do with the person that curates the mural district where the piece was, and he was walking around with a f- crew of people that were obviously higher than him on some plane somewhere, and he had a can of back black spray paint, and he wanted to prove that he was part of the scene, even though he doesn't paint, um, and he wanted to clean it up and clear it. That one I do know. I saw that one happen. Oh, so that one actually had an actual purpose. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't, I have no idea why. I wonder all the time. I'm like, is it someone offended or is it like, Well, and you know? let's put it out there. You don't use profanity very much. Or try not to. I try not I mean, to. I think of the kids. Yeah. It's, it's I, always your, a your positive stuff is, message. It's, right, like, and it's PG, PG-13 like, tops, it's, and it's never exploitive. It's never punch them in the face. 
and you're not calling names. I try not to. Well, I feel like I, I might have in a spot or two. You like know, this this one. Oh yeah, somebody, that one got that one got someone, wrecked quick. It's super super girl. Yeah. So it yeah, says, she is. It, it says a culture fixated on female thinness is not an obsession about female beauty, but an obsession about female obedience. And then there was if you pull up another picture, that? it's it's all spray painted green and the whole thing mm-hmm. was just like like somebody just this made somebody so angry that they walked up to it and just just ruined it. For what, it whatever reason, them of an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. I'm being like, nah, not that. Who's, who said that quote? <laughs> uh, Naomi Wolf. In, in uh, the beauty myth. Now I want to uh, draw your attention to this other one that I'm looking at now. It's uh, oh, yeah, men bent over. Uh, it says, "I can't believe we get three more years of this shit and peach now." But I'm gonna roll the dice. I think I know where this image is from. Yeah, go for it. Is it Spider Man? No. <laughs> I thought it was where Spider-Man gets the dark costume. No. And he brings the bell off his head, remember? Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, no, I it's that's uh, what it was. Frank Miller, Daredevil. Yeah, uh, I have the books. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorites. Is he one of your favorites or is Daredevil one of your favorites? Dare, Dare, Daredevil is absolutely one of my favorites. Frank Miller was one of my favorites growing up, you know? Yeah, nice. That's good shit. Yeah, Daredevil was always kind of my favorite because... He was under the radar from everyone else, right? And he was Catholic, you know, which was when I was a kid, I was super Catholic, oddly enough, right? But, uh, you know, so I really love Daredevil. Like, as a kid, even now as an adult, I still really can get into some Daredevil stories, you know, more so than, you know, other Marvel characters. Now, the OG Daredevil movie was better than the Ben Affleck one. Which one was the OG one? They made one. It was like a made-for-TV. Oh, I remember that one. Remember? It was he had like the sort of cottony costume. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. Just like the first Spider-Man movie they made. Like, yeah, the yeah, in the 70s. I love that he one, man. He falls thing and breaks his arm. <laughs> so good. Those were the best. The right? early Hulk stuff with Thor. Oh, and come on. Yeah. Let's not go Hulk. I'll tell you stories about my Hulk comics. <laughs> now, okay, so this was Daredevil. I thought that was Spider-Man. Got it. Uh, so do we do we look for the image first and then find the quote that fits or the other way around? Uh, it varies. There's definitely times where I see an image and then a quote automatically pops into my head. And then there's other times where I see a quote and I'm like, oh, I want to match this with something. And then there's times when <laughs> they just kind of randomly happen. I'm like, I feel like painting this person. And then it's like, okay, uh, what quote can I use? You know, and then I'm like, yeah, I'll use this one, you know. Here's a Skeletor. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was stickers. Stickers are kind of tough for me. Now, what do you mean? Because they're one-offs? Or? Small. Everything's a one-off, but oh, yeah. uh, just that they're small. I got really used to working in sort of this bigger space, so now, to actually draw smaller uh, gets really tricky for now, me. You don't really care what form you're, you're, you're interested in, because here we're seeing a Lego Robin. This looks like a Funko uh, uh, Black Panther. Well, I do things in series. Okay. So the, the Legos were part of uh, this Lego Libre series where all the characters I do were doing were Lego characters. And then the Funko is the Funko Rebels, which I'm actually in the middle of right now. I, I've been finding them a lot of fun to draw and sort of play with. And plus they give me access to a lot of um, non-comic book characters that are in comic book form or like cartoon form that are easier for me to sort of ape, you know. 
Now, Statler and Waldorf. Yeah. Tell me, tell me why they were in your well in your repertoire. I did this project uh, with the school in East Harlem, where every month I would do a piece based on whatever the theme of the class was, whatever the the objective was for that month. Uh, the teacher would tell me, uh, so I would do a character based on it with the word bubble. Uh, sort of tailored towards that theme. And then at the end of the year, uh, I we planned for me to go to the school and meet the kids because I was doing one piece a month. Got it. And then, uh, I, so I, I wanted to surprise the kids and give them all a gift. So I made them all stickers. So I asked the teacher uh, to list their favorite characters. You know, so I kind of knew where to make a character for them. But then the teachers listed their favorite characters as Statler and Waldorf. So I totally surprised them uh, with, you know, the phone cutout of Statler and Waldorf. Yeah. I love Statler and Waldorf just because they were grumpy. Oh, yeah, and they were awesome. Funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were so <laughs> cutting, so ridiculous, well, but, the whole but show hilarious. Was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Statler and Waldorf totally, totally reminded me of like old Jewish guys I would see in the parks, like in, in, in the Bronx, you know, like these old guys, you know, they were in the Bronx a long ass time. And like, they're just sitting there grumpy in the park talking trash. That's, they always reminded me of those guys. What's the one character that's in your portfolio that you're saving for some awesome quote that you haven't found yet? Oh man, I don't know. Don't to reveal that. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't know if I have one to be honest, man. Uh, then let me rephrase before you say um one more time. Okay. How about a fun upcoming character yet to be seen? Yet to be seen. Ooh, uh, Optimus Prime. Ooh. Yeah, I've been I've been building on an Optimus Prime. I'm just trying to find the right image I want to use, but I've been really wanting to get Optimus Prime in. You know who I relate Optimus Prime to? Late 80s Reagan. Yeah, I guess, I, guess I could see that. So yeah. stoic, yeah. so preaching, yeah. the, preaching the, to the choir every goddamn time he opens his mouth. No. Yeah, yeah. That's, he's always Reagan. That, that sort of grandpa kind of feeling to him. Yeah. Listen, the first time I ever cried in a movie theater was Transformers. Oh, yeah, dude. That was, when, that was traumatic. When, when Unicron died oh. I, with the voice by Orson Welles. I didn't know that he was a good actor in the Transformers movie. Orson Welles, uh, he made me cry. Yeah, that, that, movie, that movie was rough. There were a lot of like unexpected deaths, and you were just like, "No!" I had them all. I broke them all. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that remains from my toy collection is my He-Man collection. Oh, thank you. Oh, nice. Stella Bella got, on got, like, the table service refresh. here. It's very, sweet. very nice. Lovely. Can I just uh, go back to the Tribe Four Sixteen in Harlem? Fine. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Allison Lanza. Yeah, she's the teacher who uh, made that happen. She is very nice. She follows me and likes a lot of my pictures. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> she's rad. And the other teacher was Yvonne. Uh, yeah, Yvonne. Uh, she, I, I think so. Yeah, okay. I only met her like once. So was, would you say that that was the most humbling thing that has happened to you as myth? Oh, absolutely. It was the most incredible thing that's happened to me as Smith, you know, like, uh, yeah, you know, like doing goofy stuff is fun and all, but like the ability to work with, you know, 30 something children mm -hmm. was amazing, yeah. you know, to sort of inspire them and reach them and sort of uh, so get you them would, into my head. You would send them heads. that thing that all the way to the left, that blue. Yeah, that one. So you would send them um, 
you know, a character like that with, with your word bubble, right. but then you would ask them to in- interpret it and, and then they would add their own word bubble. Well, the teacher did. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, that was the sort of part of the project is that they would have to sort of interpret it, uh, and you know, the they, they some fit. some of them had better oh yeah better quotes than you. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Every, every month, I would like when I would finally see the picture of it, I'd be like, "This is incredible." But then, you when know? you actually got to go and visit with the class, yeah. recently, and then you you heard their reaction. Oh yeah, they all they firsthand. all they all told me what the work meant to what them it meant and to so on. You know, it was, it, yeah. was, it was intense. It was really touching. Uh, yeah, this one kid had me in total. Tears. Yeah, it was it was insane. Was he? You said was he autistic? He was on the spectrum, you know, and uh, he. I guess he said that uh, he had issues with reading and writing. Like he wasn't particularly a fan of reading and writing, right? Uh, but when he started to sort of fall in love with the characters with the word bubbles, mm-hmm. he started, uh, you know, it, getting something into sort reading. Of like clicked, right, something clicked, clicked for him, and he started to sort of like words, mm. and he started writing poetry. And then he wrote me this poem, and Fuck like you. I broke Fuck down. You. Yeah, it was rough. Oh, stop I couldn't it. believe it. Like my like, heart just sunk. Oh, nice. No, no. <laughs> yeah, he wrote me this poem about like you know this anti-racist poem about like you know people being together, and I was like, I can't. Like, I, just, <laughs> I was a mess, you know. Like all these all these fourth graders got to see me there crumble, you know. It was, it was pretty intense. Now it's not all. Tears and honey bears, though, is it on the streets of New York City? Oh, no. Anything but. Now, corners are fun. Fun spots are fun. Spot (laughs) jockeying is fun. How do you deal with it when someone uh, goes over you the wrong way? I'm over it. Yeah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> no. Nope. Don't believe you. You don't like that one? No, nope. I don't buy it. <laughs> I mean, it just it, all right. I'll be 100% honest. It's frustrating, right? It's definitely frustrating to know that you put time and effort into something, right? Mm-hmm. And you have a purpose behind what you're doing. It's not like, you know, just sort of, you know, for ego or for, you know, to sort of brand yourself or whatever, right? Or to for money or for profit. You know, this is, hey, this is my stuff on the street. Now go to the gallery and buy my painting, right? Uh, so, yeah, it's it's frustrating and it's sort of disheartening. And it definitely sort of makes you think sometimes, oh, do I want to put this here? This is definitely an area where some dipshit's going to come and write their stupid name on it, right? And then it's like, okay, whatever, fuck it. You know, like I got gotten to the point where it's just really just fuck it. You know, it's like if they're going to do this, I don't care. You know, it's like, and at this point too, like the ability of having social media sort of makes it irrelevant. Right. Because, you know, they can write on it, you know, a day or two after it's up, maybe 50 to 100 people saw it and they got the message, you know. But, you know, that thing goes online. There's thousands and hundreds of people seeing it forever, you know, and that one image, initial image of it is going to run for years without the sort of tagging on it. So who cares? Right. And that, that's that's kind of to the point where I've come with it. You know? So basically, social media has turned you into less of a beast. Indeed. <laughs> Interesting, bike girl. When have you heard that? Oh, I think it's an age thing. I think those of us that realize how fortunate we were not to be teenagers on Facebook um, really look at it with a much better understanding. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I think I yeah. think you might be right on that. Yeah. Because I think we've seen how what it could have done if we think about the way we were when we were younger. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. You could yeah, yeah. easily slip into the hype of it oh, all yeah. when you see people posting your stuff yeah, on yeah. there, though. It's exciting. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool to be like, oh, someone liked this I enough mean, to sort of share this with someone you, else. You excellent. like when people interact with yeah. your... Oh, I love when people interact with it. Yeah, that's the and best. And it's an excellent tool for spreading your message. Yeah, you exactly. That yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, you know, it helps me broadcast to a larger audience than I would if I were just, you know, if it were just in, in Bushwick or just in Williamsburg or something, you know? See, I think it makes a little bit more sense now. Christy, you looking at me? I'm looking. looking at you. If there were money involved, if he did have his pieces in a gallery, then the pieces on the street could merely be seen just as advertising. Definitely, yeah. But that's not the case here. The pieces on the street are the message and are the only way to consume the message. And it's just a one-off. Everyone's and a one-off. That makes it more, even more special. The only ones that weren't one-offs are like when I do like the smaller things, like the Care Bears and things like that. Like I'll just do them. I'll do one in like I'll do one in multiple colors. Like I'll do a red one and then a blue one, and then I'll make like ten copies and of each one, and, that then, and that's it. You know? Segue into you use the Care Bears for uh, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah, I got Say I got bored name. using them for just sort of everything else. I was like, ah. Eh, what rather, did you I'd use them use for before? Like, just I know I've seen bubbles, them for, you know? for like Bernie. Yeah. Oh yeah, I did the Bernie Bears. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did the, during the 2006 uh, during the campaign in, mm-hmm. in 16. Yeah, uh, but uh, they were just sort of you know the generic word bubbles, the same ones I would normally use, you know, but smaller. Mm-hmm. You know, they would be like more like two or three word bubbles, more sort of anthem. You have more of those? Stuff. Are they going to be popping up around? The Care Bears? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't have any made right now, but maybe. Who knows? I'm trying <laughs> to figure out another little character that I can play with. You know. mm-hmm. For November? Elections are coming. I know. I got I to gotta get on that. <laughs> I got to start doing that now because the rate I work at, it's if I don't, it will be, you know, next year. <laughs> now, what about, what about collabs? I like doing collabs. They're fun. Yeah, I we like, did a collab. We did, yeah. He was yeah, nice yeah. enough. I mean, you've probably seen artists and and photographers doing collabs before. You don't really see it that often, but he was nice enough to include me in his art. It worked. So I, it was, um, I like that um, idea. Oh, I'll always be grateful for that. Oh, cool. <laughs> and I also gave him a little bit of a challenge because I wanted him to do uh, Agent Cooper from Twin Peaks with. Hell yes. Uh, with James Comey? Yeah, yeah, with Comey. Because they were both FBI agents, and I thought that that would fit well, but then I didn't realize that he's not very good at doing real-life characters. He's good with cartoons and stuff, but but he over actually overcame that, and, uh, <laughs> and now he... It took he, like 100 yeah, tries. It took 100 tries, but... <laughs> but Getting that face was, was, was rough. Yeah, I think I have it here, <laughs> but, uh, but I, like I said, I'll always be grateful for the opportunity that uh yeah, there he is. gave me yeah this one lasted kind of a while that was like a week or so sort right? of on wyckoff yeah, near mean, uh it's a high profile spot yeah and that's my photo there very nice <laughs> How I like about, collabs. How about collabs with non-sold contributors <laughs> and sold <laughs> editors, for, for Christy? I think she's the only one, right? Yeah. Oh, so you so? like a collab you've done? Oh uh, no, uh, no, I like them all. Oh, no, okay. no, don't get me wrong. <laughs> he's, he's, he's done a lot. Uh, I like doing ones with people who aren't uh, particularly street artists too. I like taking people from the sort of activist world who do their own sort of art and uh, and try to get some of that d- across as well. You know. Sort of introduce them to a sort of different uh, demographic. Now, 
working with someone else when you're not uh, financially motivated has got to be a help. I think so. Maybe. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, in my help, yeah. I would look for a partner that didn't want money. That sounds lovely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that, yeah. That, that is easy to work with. What's not easy to work with? With other people? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't run into that. You know, I haven't run into... Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, so far, anyone who I've approached or has approached me, I uh, haven't really run into any sort of obstacles with it, you know? Um, time, maybe. Uh, sometimes I tend to... You know, when uh, once I decide that I'm collaborating with someone, I tend to try to... Um, Go real fast on my end of it, right? Because I don't want to be the guy holding it up. But I found uh, maybe something like 75% of the collabs I've had take about a year, you know, to sort of get back to me after I do the sort of my end of it, you know? It's like, okay, I'm not the guy, you know? So, yeah, I guess maybe time has sort of been the only obstacle because then I get really jazzed about it, right? You know, I get like, oh, my God, I'm working can't wait. with I so-and-so, can't wait. Yeah, yeah. you know? Like, this is amazing to me. I can't, I can't believe this is happening, right? And then, then it's like, okay, a year later, it's like, okay, you get, you're almost ready, you know? Just and need more now opportunities it's January. I can't really get this up right now, you know? Like, a, we gonna, what do we got to wait till a- April, you know? But, yeah, the time, I guess. It happens. Obstacle. Yeah, yeah. seems to happen more often than not. Now, Bike Girl, when was the first time you saw Mitt stuff on the street? Oh, gosh. Um, it would have been, uh, is it Bogart Street? There it's used possible, to be. Yeah. There used to be a place now that's some kind of hotel or something. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. And it used to be like a courtyard right there near where the restaurant was that had the Pixel Poncho in it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Tutus. Yeah, right yeah, by yeah. Tutus. There used to be that, that where there's the hotel now. All right. And I remember seeing your pieces there a long time ago. Oh, yeah. I, I, I like that, that spot. That used to be an awesome spot. That was a yeah. really good spot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, things didn't last long there, but if you were quick enough, you, you were able to find some yeah. really sweet paste-ups there. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, that was a pretty a hot good, spot. Yeah. yeah. I missed that whole area. That whole area was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's done. Yeah. But I have a question, not necessarily a question, but something I'd like to talk about. Not so deep, but you do one of my favorite forms of street art. Repasting? Ad takeovers. Oh, ad takeovers, yeah. Those are some of my favorites. I'm always telling people all the time to not walk past a phone booth or a bus stop or a subway station without taking just that second. Yeah, I love them. So how did you start doing them yourself, and do you get more or less feedback from those, different feedback? Uh... I feel like it's less feedback. Uh, I feel like less people actually see those. There's less. There seems to be less of a sort of immediate response. Well, in New York, we do tend to have to tune the ads out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think most people like generally are sort of you know hustling and bustling. They're not really seeing it. Whereas with paste ups, it sort of attracts a bit more of attention because it's something not obvious. You know, it's on it's on a wall, right? Right. You don't expect to necessarily find something on a wall, you know, in Midtown or somewhere, right? But then you do, and you're like, oh, cool. Uh, But I feel like with the ad takeovers, yeah, I think people sort of generally overlook them as much or they're not sure you know advertising companies have gotten so amazing it's sort of yeah disguising yes. their stuff as some sort of art right to not appear as an advertisement that people are just sort of mixed up with it and they, they don't know what to make of it but yeah um i started because um um jordan sellier i'm not sure how to pronounce mm-hmm. his last name or the guy he, he runs the public ad campaign uh 
like I had seen some bus stops a few years ago, you know, like that people had taken over. And I was like, oh, man, it'd be really cool to do, you know. How do you do that? Uh, so I sort, of, I sort of stumbled across Jordan somehow. And, uh, he, you know, he made the keys for the, for the bus stop. So I, I, got, I got a hold of one of the keys and I was like, I'm going to do a bus stop. And then I saw people doing, doing phone boxes. And I was like, all right, I got to figure out how to do that. You know, <laughs> something, you know, uh, Abe Lincoln helped out with that. You know, he got me sort of into that. Oh, What's by the up, way, homie? Stuff. Let's also go back to the fact that it was admitted by both of them. Abe has one of our former, um, just recent interviewees to thank because J-Core's the one that got him the keys. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes, she did. She raised her hand. Oh, fantastic. the one yeah. that gave Abe those keys. Nice, nice, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it just kind of spread from there. And then uh, I just kind of, uh, well, the, I started doing it because I was working with Abe on his uh, Resistance is Female. I love that uh, thing. campaign. Yeah, it was a really good campaign, you know. I got really into that. And uh, he's doing another one. There's a new one coming. It's, uh, it's like hashtag keep fighting. Uh, so, yeah, expect to see those pretty soon. I, I love know? that. Like I said, those are some of my favorite finds because they're so unexpected. And they're gone like that. And they're gone yeah. unless, you know, there's been a couple. Abe has a couple of spots that if he hits them just right, they'll stay sometimes for Yeah, I've had a few. I've, I ha- I've had a few last, like, I had one go from sort of like December until like March. Like on Broadway and like by Union Square. Yeah, I, cu- I couldn't believe it. I was like, how do they not? get this out of here you know and then i've had others that were gone by the next morning yeah yeah i just think it's such an ingenious way of getting your art oh totally i love it i think it's great oh yeah that one one lasted lasted the wolverine with trump this one lasted a really long time christy can you tell me what comic book that image (laughs) was lifted from she can't tell you that Mm. (laughs) i'm not i maybe one i know you're 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 the one with all the notes but i could tell that that's from (laughs) wolverine Something that's in my notes, Is unfortunately. It number two or number three? It's it's actually Hulk one eighty one. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, it's the McFarlane one. Oh, the yeah, one. yeah. It's that was a McFarlane good fight. One, yeah. That was a good fight. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know the number either, Christy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but you see, someone kind of came along and wanted to to edit that little always. Uh, always try to edit the word bubbles yeah leave the word bubbles alone what is with what why what is like the, why? i mean i don't know it's always the word bubbles it's always you, the you word bubbles see, yeah like, angrily, because people like, can write but they like, can't draw yeah. i guess it's, or, is like, that yeah. what it is that they're they're you know, they again, see, i'm dying to again, know we have to remind our audience that nothing he says is so controversial that it would make you scream no it's or not controversial it was said already it was said already by someone else Right, and even so, these are sometimes uplifting words. I mean, even. I could see people getting bent out of shape some stu- sometimes about but, like stuff that's about Palestine, but and stuff, right? Because yeah. people generally do, right? They get sort of, you know, you sort You're, of stand up for Palestine. Yeah, that stuff doesn't this last. Kind of, yeah, it's always but a hot button if issue. A, even a if they current wheat paste that got ripped out. Oh yeah, but so either. Like, even if they agree or disagree with you, you're still getting a reaction yeah, from you. Yeah, so it's, it's like a it's, it's a fun. win. It's a win for you. Now you know we way, could right? go. We could go full tilt and say he just has a really prolific stalker here in New York City. <laughs> Do you think it's like the same person following it. you <laughs> around? Yeah, <laughs> it's too it's too scattered around. You know, it's it, it's not like in one area or something. <laughs> but maybe who the hell knows? Let's let's fantasize it. Okay, not really. Um. So obviously, we see Bike Girl. Look at the copious notes that. Uh, oh yeah, she's she's, she's got a stack. Of Christy C. Like, <laughs> Don't you have a job? <laughs> I do. 
It's not only tight. I do it at my it's, job. It's, <laughs> it's printed. It's long. It gives her something to do at her job. <laughs> all right. So something we ask uh, all artists that come in with us is, uh, you know, I ask you about regular collabs, people you worked with, and they fun and stuff like that. But let's let's talk about dream collabs. Who would you love to work with? Living or dead? Living sure. and or dead. <laughs> Living and or dead? Uh, yes. Yeah, because oh, I mean, I'm sure there's a few people from your past that you think about them now and wish you'd done something with them while they were alive. They're dead? Or I don't know about anyone or who's dead. Someone but. in you know the Renaissance period that you'd love to bounce <laughs> off of. Uh, I don't know. Or maybe over a da Vinci. Uh, comic book illustrator? Um, let me think for a second. I gotta try to think about this. Oh, uh, uh, there's a dude Billy Butcher. Are you guys familiar with Billy mm-hmm. Butcher at all? English artist, pop yeah. artist, right? Uh, Billy, I would love. I've I've done sort of reworkings of Billy stuff, like with his blessing, actually, you know. Uh, but uh, I would love to actually do something with him, you know, because he does. He's another sort of appropriator. I have no idea how he gets away with it. I mean, he's like pretty straight up blatant, you know. Uh, but uh, and it's all for profit, you know. That's his thing. He's not like a street artist or whatever right but i would love to do something with him because just i think stylistically i could have fun you know because we're both playing in the comic book world um i still really want to work with elemental pi uh which is something we've talked about a bunch uh i'm just very very intimidated by it you know like i don't know how our stuff would contrast you know like it would be you know, I'm I'm always so blown away by her her images and you know the messages and stuff that like I'm afraid I would sort of detract from her. You know what I mean? Like it would make her stuff look goofy, but that's definitely something I I really really want to do at some point. You know, like and I need to sort of try to figure that out. You got to work on your earth tones to work with. Them. Yeah, <laughs> which which we could probably could figure out, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, she did a collab with City Kitty. She's fantastic. We're we're big fans here at Sold. Obviously, uh, not just of her work, but uh, she's great. She came in, sat with us. Was it with that uh, Welling, at Welling Court? Court? Yes, nice. And that was nice. And she had a, gave us a great chat. She wouldn't tell us what her name means and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But uh, the the Element OPI, uh, no, Lopi. Oh, the lo- her her actual name, yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so there's our live artist. Actually, he oh. was two live artists. So. Oh, dead artist. Um, yeah. Any time oof, period. Any time period. Toulouse Lautrec. Oh, I, I think I think that would be fun, you know? Or I maybe, maybe Muka, but him. Lautrec more because he's on the street. And you I, know? I almost consider Lautrec almost like the grandfather of Wheat Pace. Absolutely. I, I think he absolutely the is. comes yeah. absolutely from artists like Lautrec. Totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he's definitely, I mean, there were, I mean, there were people, obviously, you know. Can you imagine? You go back to the Romans, I'm sure they were pasting up messages and, you know, the Vox Romana stuff. But but in, for, I guess, for artistic purposes, yeah, Latrec is oh, kind would, of, he's I the godfather. I would, I would you know? love to see him um, unbridled in the modern world, just allowed to be an artist on the street to see oh, what totally. his messages would be. Oh, yeah, it would be insane. I would oh, love yeah, it. Yeah. They would be rude. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He was not shy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so before we let you go, and uh, thank you very much for your time today. No, thank you, fun. guys. I love this getting the yeah. story behind the story. Uh, just as a... Re- oh, yes. I, uh, I'm i sorry. I skipped one of our prerequisites. Okay, what is it? We have editorial standards here at Save, yeah, yeah. and our editor just slapped me on the wrist and said, <laughs> have some advice for younger artists 
that want to get their work out there. Give them a do and a don't. Get their work out into the street or just like just commercially. Oh, uh, I guess just do what you do. You know, do what feels right. You know, do what, you know, don't worry about fitting a mold or, you know, like someone else's idea of what you should do. Just do what you do and, uh, you know, don't lose sight of that, you know, and have fun. Have fun. Don't take it serious. It's great advice. Uh, Myth, thank you for coming in today. Before we let you go, uh, please let our listeners and your new fans know where to find you online. Uh I think pretty much at this point, the only thing that's sort of active is is my Instagram. You know, it's at Myth, uh, GD, Myth GDS. I do have a Facebook page, but Facebook came up with this new thing where you had to put in your legal name mm-hmm. to we have just a had page. This conversation. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. And I was like, "Fuck that! I'm not doing that." You know, so I cho- I used my alias, which I've been using since a teenager, which is which is Fred Hampton. You know, and uh, so like on Facebook, it's a, it's Fred Hampton, but I can't even log in or anything, so it really hasn't been updated in a really long time. But uh, I guess just someone's gonna do it in a memorial, like. Like where put up posters around the city? Where's Fred? Yeah, Hampton? where where what happened? Yes, Fred Hampton. On Facebook. Right, I'm sorry, we can't wrap it up yet. I need to recap. I need to recap the last 30 seconds of nonsense. Hold up. So we have a, a a socially aware artist that wants to get their work up on the street that is doing it for the love of art and social vandalism and justice and everything like that. That's not going about the dollar. Yet you can kind of find him online on one place and then on another place it's not even his government name he made it up and he can't even log in <laughs> well, I didn't make Black it up it, I mean Fred it's, it's Fred Hampton you know the Black Panther mm-hmm. you know he was killed by the FBI in his sleep but uh, yeah he lives <laughs> yeah, he's alive apparently and, and he's, he's pasting up cartoon characters on the streets well we can't wait to see what he's gonna do next brother oh, awesome thank you for coming in no problem thank you guys thank you I love an audience we are sold out with myth.